You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have Bill and Rob, co-founders of PhilLogic, a New York City-based technology company dedicated to maximizing efficiencies for retailers and freight delivery networks via mall-based micro-distribution hubs. Bill Thayer is a senior retail and logistics executive with more than 30 years of experience and positions ranging from CIO to COO at Lomans to logistics and technology consulting for Macy's, Century 21 stores, Barney's, Primark, and the Hearst Corporation. Bill is also a seed investor in Cargomatic, a logistics technology platform that has raised $50 million from the likes of Warburg Pincus. Rob Cucci is a serial entrepreneur with experience at top companies ranging from Down & Company to Booz Allen Hamilton. He is also the co-founder of venture-backed startup Pigeon Box, a subscription care package box for college students. Thanks so much for being with us today. Good to be here. Thanks for having us, Melissa. Before we kick off, Rob, can you tell the audience a little bit more about PhilLogic? Absolutely. So Philogic is the logistics as a service platform for retail that converts the retail ecosystem into an integrated network by converting underutilized space at shopping malls into tech-enabled micro-distribution hubs. So just quickly, if you think about the retail ecosystem, there are really three key stakeholders. You've got the landlords, commercial REITs that build these big, beautiful buildings, and then they lease them out. They don't really provide too many value-added services to the tenants. Then you've got the tenants, predominantly retailers. And with the growth of ship from store volume, right, fulfilling e-commerce orders out of stores, the stores are having a pretty tough time managing all of that volume they're dealing with. And then the third stakeholder are the parcel carriers, who are now dealing with exponential outbound volume stemming from that ship from store growth. And so we sit at the center of that. Uh, We convert anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 square feet inside shopping malls, again, into what we call Philogic hubs, which are tech-enabled micro-distribution hubs with the primary focus of servicing the retailers with stores in those locations, as well as the parcel carriers servicing that volume. That was a mouthful, but in a good way. (laughs) Um, Well, we're going to break that down for the audience a little bit, but you guys are in an exciting place right now, especially with the world. Um, But let's back up a little bit. Why did you two come together? and launch Philogic. What was the gap and challenge in the marketplace? And also how has COVID accelerated that? Sure, I'll take this one. So first answer is Rob is the only person who would work with me. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you think about physical retail, um, logistics has never serviced it very well. Um, so when you think about the traditional retail dynamic of processing goods, getting them to stores, that change when e-commerce came um, to fruition 10, 15 years ago, uh, th- it put a major hurt on physical retail because e-commerce at scale is not cheap. And when you think about trying to utilize a physical store, one of the key things when Rob talks about the three key stakeholders, they all don't focus on those logistics processes. That's kind of where we come in, right? With a physical API that helps our three key stakeholders operate more efficiently. So if you go back a couple of years ago, you saw all of the stresses that were being placed on the malls, the retailers, and of course the parcel carriers. There's a big gap. So you always talk about logistics for e-commerce. You always talk about how all these things are trying to work together. But we felt one of the best places to efficiently support e-commerce growth is from the shopping mall. 
It's the best physical location, closest to the target consumer, um, with the transportation routes that achieve it. They just didn't have the infrastructure or the support infrastructure to be able to support the customers. Now, when you look at COVID, what's that meant? Year over year, e-commerce growth is around 20%. Um, in the last couple of months, e-commerce growth has accelerated to over 30%. And that's not gonna change anytime soon. So everybody's trying to look um, and how to implement and how to utilize their existing infrastructure more efficiently, right? Their people, their product. And of course, there's stores. Retailers have these great stores in shopping malls. They're just looking for ways to utilize it. And that's where we come in. We come here. Uh, we come in to help and support that process. And let's talk about COVID then, right? Um, we're seeing, I talk about the package journey so much now because we as store designers think so much about the customer journey, but the, the efficiency of the package journey influences the customer experience, right? So how how has this new world of BOPIS and BOSS and returns and, you know, whatever, you know, acronym you want to give it, how has that accelerated the value and the services that you're providing to brands and retailers, especially in a mall environment? I think we'll take it at two parts. I'll take the first part, which is the simple part, and Rob will take the hard part. <laughs> Strategic <laughs> Logistics idea, is a, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Throw it out. Logistics about touches. Can you reduce the amount of touches, whether it's people, processes, or technology? So when you look at sort of the journey and all these different omni-channel uh, functions, most retailers, carriers are, are suffering through how many touches they have to put their products through. We're all about reducing touches, reducing touches and aggregating the volume inbound, outbound, uh, pick and pack processes. We're there to reduce the amount of touches and to aggregate outbound volume because logistics is pretty simple. Bigger boxes, cost per unit is much cheaper. So we're all about trying to make more efficient shipments by making them bigger. Well, that's why Amazon sends you the biggest box, right? That's why Amazon sends you the biggest box in the mail for the smallest product. Well, that's a whole other process <laughs> well, about how empty that up. box is and what they put in there. <laughs> so, I, Rob, I'm not sure if you want to add anything there. Yeah, you know, the, the only thing I would add in relation to the journey of the package, typically what would happen without Philogic or Philogic Hub in a mall is, you know, the retailers drop their ship from store orders. They sit there for a while. Eventually, a parcel carrier, whether it's, you know, a FedEx or USPS, whoever it may be, they're going to come by uh, at one particular time throughout the day. They're going to pick that up. It's going to have to sit on the back of a truck for another six hours before they're done with their pickups. So they're going to drive the package 40 miles away to a consolidation facility where they sort it. It's then going to get loaded on a different piece of equipment, right? A different truck. And then in many cases, it's delivered to consumers living right around the shopping mall to begin with. So how are we altering that that journey the package takes? It's now our folks going around to the retailers, picking up the outbound volume. And we are consolidating, as Bill mentioned, all of that aggregated volume at the shopping mall. But most importantly, we're pre-sorting it, right? By carrier service level. So is it same day, ground, two day, et cetera. And then by zip code. So that package can go directly from the mall to customers living right around uh, that shopping mall, saving 65% of the time it takes to get to the customer, but also on the cost side as well. You know, you, you talk about the differences of, you know, same day, 24 hours, 48 hours. It makes me think, 
you know, before COVID, I feel like people were getting so conditioned by on-demand living that it had to be there as soon as you clicked to buy or you were disappointing consumers. How do how has that evolved living in the world that we're living in today? Well, from our perspective, everything that we've been dreaming of and planning towards and working towards is just accelerated. Um, when you think about the immediacy of the consumer and what they need, you know, Amazon's done a phenomenal job of that. Um, but the key thing is, is to compete in this new world, you everybody has to operate at that level. Um, so the expectations are just so much higher. But the thing is, there's so much volume. You know, normally at the, at, you know, there's a uh, part of the year called peak. Uh, parcel carriers usually enter it in November. Um, but we're at peak since last March. And it's not going away. And even when you look at what's happening to a lot of the retailers out there, there's a lots of change. Um, you know, when you look at bankruptcies, reorganizations, acquisitions, that's been sped up. But the key thing is we're very bullish on physical retail. I mean, you know, before COVID, 80% of consumers uh, bought from a physical store. Maybe it's 65%. The key is, is that physical retail is not dead. It's just in transformation. That transformation process includes aggregated retail, places like shopping malls, because the best shopping malls aren't going anywhere. And the idea is they need to be able to meet the, their targeted consumer, whether it's online, offline, or somewhere in between. Because customers don't care about retailers' channels anymore, right? No one thinks and customers don't think in channels. They just think, where's my stuff? Exactly. I mean, that's more true than ever. So, so you mentioned earlier uh, when we kicked off the podcast that uh, Philogic Hub was a tech-enabled micro-distribution center. Can you, can you tell us more about that? How exactly does that work? Sure. Take it, take sure. it away, Rob. I'll, I'll jump in on this one. So uh, as mentioned, we partner uh, strategically with commercial REITs, specifically on enclosed shopping mall owners. Why? Because you've got 100, 125 retailers uh, under the same roof. A great opportunity to go ahead and aggregate that volume. So specifically what we take is anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 square feet, and we can retrofit that space in as little as three weeks and for as low as $20,000 uh, to convert it into a Philogic hub, which is, to your point, Melissa, a tech-enabled micro-fulfillment hub, which really is a kind of zero-asset uh, logistics infrastructure that we bring in, some racking, shelving equipment, uh, pods, which we sort parcels into, nothing overly you know uh, complicated. And then on the back end, yes, we are, as you mentioned, are a technology company. We've got a technology platform that manages the inbound inventory, the outbound volume. Uh, and so that's that's where the tech enabled piece comes in. And it's staffed by our people. You're, you're looking at, you know, base staff kind of normalized on average, anywhere from five to seven employees at any particular time in there managing uh, the volume we deal with. So that's pretty fast. You can build, you can retrofit and be ready to operate within three weeks. What is like, you know, from start to finish and onboarding, you, you, you're launching with Simon, you, you, well, you might've already launched, but you mentioned this summer, right? So how long does that process take? Yeah, it, it's pretty quick. So in terms of onboarding with, uh, with commercial REITs and, and you're correct, uh, public information out there, we work with Simon, 
uh, Brookfield, Mace Rich, and Taubman. Uh, also bring uh, on board some other commercial REIT owners. So pretty much we have to identify the space going through a process we call site selection. Uh, typically the spaces we're looking at, they could be in the basement, they could be right off of the loading dock, which is ideal for us. It could be a former storage space, a construction void, et cetera. A lot of the space is not contiguous and that's okay when it comes to our model and what we do, uh, as long as we can lock and alarm it and, and you know slap a location ID on these non-contiguous spaces that works for us and so we go through the site selection process identify uh, the space or spaces we want to take uh, and then if there's any tear out that needs to be done we'll get a contractor in there to do any potential tear out ideally we're looking for spaces where that's minimal uh, or non-existent and then it takes the bulk of the time is just standing up like i said the racking and shelving equipment and in terms of onboarding retailers and parcel carriers we're at the point now where we're pretty much just taking existing customers and as we open up additional hubs. So today we've got five Philogic hubs in the tri-state area, four of which are in New Jersey, two right outside of Philadelphia, two right outside of New York, one in Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, we're going through site selection right now for an additional eight hubs. So we're expanding the network down into the mid-Atlantic, into Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, down to Atlanta, out west towards Phoenix, Scottsdale, uh, and Southern California. We're actually going to be launching a hub uh, in LA in uh, in about a month and a half, which is exciting. Very exciting. You have a lot of exciting things going on. And, you know, so you're talking about your partnership on the property manager side, but you also partner with retailers and transportation providers as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. We're going to have to be a little cagey in terms of specific <laughs> labels and brands, but I, I'll defer ahead, to Bill. You to... take this one. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think, put simply, when you think about the process, we can optimize for the, the transportation provider where they no longer have to even get out of the truck and run, run around the mall for eight hours a day. We're able to do outbound pickups, the consolidation and the sorting process, which can save a transportation provider uh, 3PL or maybe even one of the larger ones, 65% of the time and cost it takes them to typically service those retail centers. Uh, and locations. And for brands and retailers, that's something I would say that's probably most exciting for us right now. Uh, we offer a ton of different service offerings. So one of them is forward staging inventory. If you think about, let's say, an athletic apparel manufacturer uh, footwear brand that's selling through maybe four or five different retail channels at a particular mall, Finish Line, Foot Locker, Champs, mm -hmm. Models, maybe that they have their own store in there as, as well. We can forward stage their top selling high sales velocity SKUs to be rapidly replenished into any particular retail channel in that mall to avoid things like out of stocks. Another offering just quickly is pick and pack. If you think about uh, the pick and pack process for ship from store orders, you're taking a sales associate off of the floor for half of the day and sending them to the back of the house to pick and pack e-commerce orders, right? Sales associates typically don't sign up to take that job. They, you know, It's not a lot of fun, I'll put it that way. Equally as important, those retailers want the sales associate on the floor selling to the walk-in customer that crosses the threshold. They don't want them in the back of the house picking and packing e-commerce ship from store orders. So the ability for a retailer to offload all of that work, right? All of that, all of those tasks to somebody like a Philogic where we can come pick the inventory from the store, pack it at the hub, stage it to ship. It's a huge opportunity to uh, optimize on, on cost savings and also uh, speed of delivery to the end consumer. Yeah, just one thing to add to that. Yes. Is just, you know, we, we want to be a little bit coy about some of these relationships that we've been developing. Part of it because there's press releases in the future. 
right? That's the number one thing that we want to focus on. And at the same time, you know, these folks are trying to build out their own individual networks. And so we just need to be a little bit careful around that. You know, as, as the months go on, there's a lot of interesting things we're doing. But one of the key things is um, pre-COVID, you know, we were focusing primarily on, you know, the parcel networks, everything. Everything has just completely, you know, we had specific, you know, lines of business that we thought were going to take years to get started. It's now. So much is going on. No, that's what's exciting in technology for sure. It's like there's so many things around the four-year roadmap that are happening now. I mean, I've said it in probably in every episode, but necessity drives innovation, right? And it's 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 also driving consumer adoption and it's just it's it's becoming this um, and the technology side of things kind of a well-oiled machine and some of the things you said you know started to answer some of my questions but you know what has been the drivers of the the tremendous growth that you you've been seeing you talk about pick and pack and, and and things like that you know what of these trends do you see that will continue to accelerate and what are you what are you thinking is going to be drivers in 2021 well number one is COVID has clarified sort of the relationship of how important logistics is to commerce. You know, I, I, I said before, e-commerce at scale is not cheap. It used to be what retailers and, you know, coming at it from a, an old COO, CIO is there are so many conflicting priorities. And when you're looking at e-commerce, it's like, okay, how am I going to drive traffic efficiently? What is, you know, the newest technology that's out there? All that's been pushed aside because it's all about logistics. How can I get more efficient? Because with the peak growth of uh, freight, you know, UPS and FedEx are now charging uh, higher dimensional rates. The cost of freight is getting that much more expensive. God forbid, because of the uh, asset utilization right now, if you are not PPE, you might get pushed to the side. You know, if, uh, if you get a spike in COVID, down the road, I mean, it, it's completely changed the what e-commerce fulfillment and logistics has become. You know, there's so many different new networks that are starting to be built out. There are um, you, you know, large chains that do a phenomenal job now because they've always depended on their stores. You know, there's always Amazon, but you know what? Amazon's willing to spend any amount of money um, to expand their logistics footprint. Whereas every other retailer, they have to be careful, right? So it's the issue, do you do it yourself or do you democratize that process? And that's where we see fit, right? We're, you know, we the, we're the connector. Right. No, absolutely. Do you, you, you can't maybe talk about specifically a client, but as you, you know, talk about how you enhance businesses, you know, what makes these partnerships when a either a property manager or a, a brand or retailer, when they partner with you, what's the formula for success? Well, number one, the, the easiest part, and the folks that have always been believers in what we're doing is the mall owners. They've always been so far ahead of where things were going as far as utilizing. You, you think about it, when e-commerce was the thing, was the marketing department, right? They, hey, this is shiny object. Hey, it's expensive. So you outsource a portion of it. And then when it got to be your volume driver, you brought it in house. It, it, it's wrecked a lot of these organizations from the infrastructure perspective. 
But when you think about kind of who's always gotten the e-commerce game, it's always been the mall owners, right? Simon, Brookfield, Taub, and Maysearch, they've always understood the universal importance of their stores to engage their consumers because it's their most cost-effective way to engage customers, to, to retain customers, and to gain new ones. When you look at it digitally, you're just throwing money to Facebook, Google, Amazon, whatever. Um, there's so much more opportunity in the physical world. It just has to transform. And what I would add to that, Melissa, is um, we do have a pretty high-touch onboarding process. Whenever we onboard a, a retail brand or transportation provider or uh, technology platform as, as a partner, we go through the process uh, in a very consultative way to understand what are their KPIs, right? What are their success metrics? Uh, what are they seeing currently from an e-commerce fulfillment cost perspective? On average, how long does it take their customers to get packages? And we work in a pretty bespoke way to define pilot programs at some of the initial hubs we have to design them in a way where we're able to come back in you know, one month, two months, three months and say, hey, how are we doing relative to these success metrics and KPIs we defined in advance and mutually agreed were really important to determine how successful this program was and how we might want to scale the partnership going forward. A quick anecdote uh, is somebody we're doing pick and pack for, rolled it out to two different hubs uh, based on the su success metrics and KPIs, things around customer delivery times, uh, overall e-commerce fulfillment costs around pick and pack, as well as a freight component. How well are we doing? And we're actually going to be in the process uh, in advance of peak scaling that partnership uh, to maximize you know the, the value they can get by being at more additional hubs with us. I know you don't want to talk about uh, necessarily your clients, but when we think about the themes you spoke about today from a logistics standpoint, what brands and retailers do you think have been doing a good job in navigating this changing world and why? Target Walmart. <laughs> they didn't waste any time. I agree. Target and Walmart for sure. Um, why? Number one. Yes. Tell us what are they doing Because they've always right? had the infrastructure to utilize their stores as fulfillment locations where the buildings are, how they're structured. And, you know, when you think about, use Target, for example, you know, almost 10 years ago, they were having some issues on the sort of the fulfillment side and the logistics network. And their existing team did a phenomenal job of understanding truly where the customer was going to be five years later, 10 years later and they built their infrastructure to meet the customer where they are today and where they're gonna to be tomorrow, right? You know, cause they're doing a lot of, within their own network of things that we're doing within the mall network, which is about the aggregation. And Walmart has done the same, you know, because the key thing is they realize a strategic differentiator for them against the behemoths like Amazon is their stores because they can more cost effectively get into the customer's you know hands much quicker because their stores are in the neighborhood whereas in Amazon you know granted they're trying to get resources and infrastructure closer than they possibly can into the consumer but target Walmart are already there no absolutely how about you Rob yeah I, I would add two more traditional folks I would add Best Buy as well as Kohl's um, you know, maybe not the most exciting brands to some people, but I think when oh, you look at on. how, 
I like Best Buy. I think what they I, do I like with Best appointments, you know, I don't not like clothes, but I'm saying I thought Best Buy has been doing a good job in trying to yeah. pivot and be agile, and I like that they launched appointments, and yeah. I, I think Best Buy has been super innovative when it comes to some of the more in-store aspects of their strategy, like you were just touching on, Melissa, but also from a logistics and supply chain perspective, they're they're definitely ahead of the curve. Uh, Kohl's more on the supply chain and logistics side of things. They were one of the first ones to be... Um, you know, evangelize the value of ship from store and kind of get out there and say, you know, we're trying to do as much volume as we can from our stores because they're, you know, 10 miles down the road from our end consumer. I'd say the other example, a little more non-traditional, maybe not the answer you're hoping for here, but Shopify, <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, they've been phenomenal, I think. I, th I think Shopify has continued to innovate and just look at the commerce stack and say, hey, Let's build out a fulfillment network. I mean, let's let's offer that value proposition to our merchants. Uh, I mean, the stock has obviously been on a tear, but I think Shopify is definitely a unique uh, player in the overall retail world. That's uh, that's definitely doing it right. Knows what they're talking about. No, that's a good one. I I definitely agree with Shopify. I've been watching them, and I think the way that they've invested in that kind of app development network and the resources they're giving to all the brands and retailers that use their platforms been phenomenal. Um, plus but, our logistics network. Yeah, plus the, yes, exactly. Um, well, this has been a great conversation. I feel like we can go on and on, um, but alas, we cannot. Uh, but at least the audience has gotten to, to learn a little bit more about what you do and, and kind of how you see the world. <clears throat> One thing I've been asking all guests before I let them go because of what the world we're living in in 2020 is where are you both calling in from? Uh, right outside of New York. Okay. So same thing. same thing. Okay. So I'm building my travel list cause the world's going to open up again. And so what are the three, what are the three must do things the next time somebody's, you know, able to travel, not from New York, but to this area coming to New York or out of this. Out well, of I'm asking every, so you have to talk about for where you're at. So people that are coming to New York, you know, for the first time, what, are the, what, what would be the top three things you would tell them to do? Go to, oh, if they're going to New York, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time grasping. Correct. This question. <laughs> going to because I'm thinking, I'm thinking you're asking me where I'm going. I'm like, I'm going to Vegas, Vegas, and Vegas. Okay, well, that you know what? That's a, we'll leave that then. You're listed. You're out of here. Um, and yeah, I am out of here. I'm done with it. I mean, I love New York, but boy, it's been a little bit rough last couple months. Yes, it's it's yes, it's going through some tough times. How about, how about you, Rob? If somebody were to come here, the three things you still love? Yeah, I would say I'm in Jersey City uh, specifically. So it's a Liberty State Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, nice way to get outdoors, maintain nice uh, proper social distance, hopefully wearing a mask even though you're outside still. And, uh, you know, Statue of Liberty is right there. Ellis Island connects to it. Uh, so I definitely recommend that. Um, Dude, one star. Yeah, one, one star. One star. I don't know if they're going to be open. But um, I don't care. It's that's our place. One star. You got to check it out. Twenty fourth Street <laughs> in between Sixth and Seventh Avenue uh, in Manhattan. Walk. Best dive bar you'll you'll ever come across. Oh, and <laughs> what you don't like dive bar? That's, no, that's I love fair. don't go not dive bar. It's great. <laughs> Joe and Joe, they're awesome. Um, and other than that, I don't know. Tribeca, the the park down there in Tribeca is pretty nice. I like your list. It's a good list. All right. Well, there's still there's still some goodness in New York. So, for those of you that want to travel now, they have some 
hints. On Center the of the universe. Center of the universe, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks so Every much. Every place else is a suburb. Every, no, I know. I know. Well, that's a whole other conversation we can get into, actually, is like we were seeing the <laughs> urbanization, and now we're seeing the suburbanization of things. But that's for episode two. Um, thanks so much for joining, everyone. This is another episode of Retail Refined. Thanks to Bill and Rob for, uh, for Logic for joining us today. Thank you Thanks for the time. Stay, stay safe, safe wash everybody. Wash your hands. Oh, yes, wash <laughs> your hands. <laughs>